Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 18 of the Stay Grounded podcast. Hope everyone is having a splendid morning. I know I am. Uh, this week's guest is going to be so great. Um, to give you some context, this is an actually a pretty interesting episode because it is the first episode that I did in person. And to give you some background on that, I was at a networking event and I got to meet a, a wonderful human being. His name is Austin Felton. Austin is 23 years old and he's the CEO of a company called EntreCloud, which is a hosting company for uh, for WordPress users. So he started an entrepreneurship at a very young age. He's only 23 and he is probably one of the most articulate and philosophical people I've ever met and has got a wealth of experience on happiness. So I was hanging out with him uh, at, a, at, a, at a meetup and I was just so impressed with him that uh, we busted out the mic and recorded an in-person podcast interview. But the catch is uh, he is also interviewing me for his podcast. So we are both interviewing each other in this amazing episode on life, love, and happiness. And it is jam-packed with so much goodness that uh, I can't wait for you guys to check it out. But before we do, I would love if you guys go over to iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you guys are listening to our, uh, our podcast, and just leave a rating, a review, and subscribe so that more people can find out about this amazingness that we're creating together uh, and we can make the world a, a brighter and happier place. So with that being said, let's get started. Hey, Raj. How are you? Hello, Austin. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic, man. I'm really glad to have you on the podcast today. And I'm so excited to just share you with the world. You know, we've had so many amazing conversations together and we've had so many beautiful experiences and I've learned so much from you. And I think there's just so much for our audience um, from you, from your mind, from your experiences. And I can't wait to dive in. Absolutely. And I'm going to echo everything you just said. Um, you are arguably one of the most enlightened people I know, and it's a privilege to have you on our podcast to share with our audience your mindsets, your philosophies, and just the way you dance with life, because it's something that I personally find incredibly inspiring and something that lifts me up on a daily basis. So if you can't tell, I'm excited. Super excited. <laughs> Let's do this, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. So before the podcast, we talked a little bit about the topics that we wanted to cover today. And you could mention how, you know, you really want to talk about happiness and how 
your definition of happiness has evolved throughout your career and in you know creating a multiple seven figure business and creating this amazing brand that people love and people enjoy like myself right because I have Java press coffee every morning and it's <laughs> like the best part of my day right so yeah I want to start there and let's dive into you know what you view happiness is and how it's evolved for you um, I think happiness as a subject is such a broad sort of ecosphere. It isn't something that sits in any one corner of your feelings, your mind, your body. It's something that expands beyond and um, it's accentuated through experiences, through your definitions of success, through what you go through in life, through your emotional states, through what you feel now and what you feel with the people you're around. Um, So I think that for me, when I first started my company, um, my definitions of happiness were in the future. And they were constantly looking to a brighter state that was far from where I was. Sure. And something I also see is that a lot of people, you know, even myself in the past, I thought that there was some external circumstance or some external event in the future that once I achieved that event or once I achieved that goal or objective or once my reality looked a certain way, then I would be happy, you know? And I find that for myself, like, it's been really liberating to to be very present in the moment and recognize how beautiful life is in every single moment and embodying that and and recognizing that happiness is a state of being that is intrinsic to us as humans and that's driven from us internally you know it's something that's just an our innate way of being and everything that isn't happiness and contentment and love is learned behavior and conditioning so let me ask you this do you feel like this intrinsic belief in happiness that it comes from within from being present in the moment wouldn't you argue that that is a learned behavior well that's uh that's a an interesting interesting thing to kind of pick apart because there are certain aspects of being human that are genetically programmed, right? Like it's nature versus versus nurture. Mm-hmm. But things like our emotions, emotions are an evolutionary adaptation. You know, we're born with emotions and feelings. They're, we, we learn about them insofar as we experience them and we name them. And sometimes we don't even name them very well, right? Sometimes we feel very complex emotions we can't put words to. But... I think uh, I think we can learn to understand what it means to be happy and what it means to embody happiness through our experiences. But the innate sense of joy and contentment, like those are both those are both emotions that we're born with as humans that we can tap into. How do you cultivate that? How do you cultivate this feeling of happiness? I think it has a lot to do with balancing the different aspects of being human. You know, because like all of us. At any given moment, we're experiencing life at multiple different levels from multiple different perspectives, from multiple different worldviews and lenses, and it can be a complicated web of things. But one kind of way to simplify that into kind of fundamental principles that makes it easy for me to understand, and, and it's a mental model that helps me work through it, is recognizing that the experience that we have is both a physiological, a psychological, and a spiritual experience, these three things happening simultaneously, you know? And the more alignment you have between all three of those aspects of yourself, the more you can start to understand and cultivate your your emotions and understand them to to a deeper degree, you know? And 
like up until recently, I really thought um, I really only focused on the physiological and psychological uh, aspects of emotions and feelings. Interesting. Okay. You know, I think our Western culture and society really hammers into us that we are like logical, rational beings and that logic and our minds are the only place that we operate from. I think that's it. That's incomplete. You know, I think that we also have a metaphysical and spiritual aspect to ourselves. And, you know, we also have a physiological aspect to ourselves. Like there are three different perspectives of the same whole, you know? And so cultivating those things for me just means diving deeper into understanding and nurturing those three aspects of myself and and when I'm processing my emotions, I process them in all three aspects of that. Do you have a daily ritual that that sort of cultivates this? Is there something practical that that we can share with the listeners that can help them? Because I I I completely actually resonate with everything you've said so far. the The link between the three, the mind, body, soul, in in, in my in, in my in my words, is something that. Without harmony, you don't have happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that being said, there are a lot of people out there that haven't been able to tap into this enlightened state. So what do you do on a daily basis to sort of bring that forward mm-hmm. and bring that true? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, ultimately happiness is something that's worked on. It isn't something that comes automatically. It's not something that comes without effort. Yeah, I, I don't think it's something that comes without effort, but like I personally believe, I don't believe that uh, life is about finding yourself. I think life's about eliminating the things you're not, you know, and that's that's a fundamental mm-hmm. shift because it's like, yeah. it's like, it's not like there's some version of you out there that's waiting for you to, to discover, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's more like you are innately who you are, like you were born a certain way to who you are, and then everything else is learned experience and conditioning, right? So it's about untangling that web. Some of it's truth. Some of it's things that you choose to accept and integrate. Some of it's lies and bullshit that you choose to relinquish and let go of and, and destroy, you know? So for me, one of the, one of the things that I do on a daily basis is meditation. Mm. And, you know, there's a couple of different forms of meditation that I do. I think the one that's most relevant in this context in terms of like, who you're becoming and, and intentionally crafting your identity, intentionally crafting who you are. Uh, I do this, this thing that I actually learned from a friend of mine named Jesse Elder and it's called quantum meditation. Mm. And so like, you know, in physics, uh, any, something that's quantum, it's like the relationship between two different particles that are in totally different places in space. But when you affect one, you affect the other. Right. It's like Einstein called that spooky action at a distance. You know, it's it's an unexplainable um, link between certain things in the material world that we just don't fully understand. And there's another theory out there um, that a lot of physicists believe called the multiverse theory, which is basically the theory that every possible outcome and choice and iteration um, yields like a whole different universe, right? So there's like an infinite number of universes that all have, um, you know, every possible, uh, uh, action and response and choice. And, you know, so, so if you think about things like that, and, and this is like context for the whole quantum meditation, it's like, if you recognize that you can say, all right, there is some universe out there in the future where I am this person 
that I'm becoming, right? And you visualize that person, you know, who, what are you feeling like? Mm. Who, who are the people around you? What are you doing? What are you experiencing? You know, you visualize that perfect version of you in the future. Well, it's not really perfect, but like an ideal (laughs) version of you in the future. And then you lock onto that and then you just like imagine all of the circumstances and choices and experiences happening through time, working backwards into who you are right now. I love that. So essentially another word for it's visualization mm-hmm. through meditation. Yeah. And I love that. Um, I personally, I meditate as well, but my visualization comes uh, actually when I'm working out. Hmm. Um, yeah. I work out every morning and when I'm working out, I let my mind loose mm-hmm. and I let my mind travel through the depths because for some reason, when I think about what I want, when I'm doing something as tangible as a workout, me pushing through makes me feel and makes me actualize the action I need to take to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I visualize myself in a happy state and the fact that I'm working towards it through the daily workouts, the daily meditations, everything I'm doing in a state of visualization is sort of how I've been able to manifest happiness on a daily basis. I think visualization is like a cheat code. It's total cheat code. It is a complete cheat code because you can literally alter your reality and your state of being by just pretending or thinking or feeling a certain way. You talk yourself enough into it. You listen to the right music. You can do so many different things to alter these different states in your mind. And as long as you lock in on something that triggers that triggers the right connection between the mind, body, soul, or the metaphysical and the being, mm-hmm. you can create a reality in your mind that is just as real as what you're experiencing today. 100%, 100%. And I think, yeah, there's, there's a psychological and a uh, metaphysical aspect to that manifesting of your, your dreams and your mm-hmm. visions for the future. You know, like the, the, the psychological and physiological aspect is that we have this part of our brain called the reticular activator. And this is like the pattern recognition engine of the brain. You know, it's like when you get a new car and the moment you drive away in that new car, you start seeing that car everywhere on the road, you know, and it's, it's, or you, or you hear or see something, uh, and that thing keeps popping up in your periphery and you keep seeing it over and over again, you start to notice it more, right? That's the part of our brain that recognizes patterns. And we can train that part of our brain to pick up on the patterns of our future selves uh, unfolding. How would you do that? Like, for example, if you... Um, like, okay, so I'll give you a perfect example of this. Before I met my girlfriend... I got a piece of paper and I wrote out every quality that I was looking for in a partner, you know, like every little detail, how she looked, how she felt, what she cared about, what she was good at, you know, all these things. And a week later I met her for the first time. Wow. You know, so that's the power of, I mean, I think there's a whole lot of metaphysical stuff going on there too, but from a, from a psychological perspective, like, I knew exactly what I was looking for, right? Do you think that because... So you got to know, know what you want and then very clearly define what you want and then that's the first step to 
making it real. And that's, do you feel like the second you decide what you want, because that's a pretty amazing story, firstly. That's incredible, and I'm super happy for you because that, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so good for you. Um, and that's, that's super interesting to me because you made a conscious decision, and then it actualized. Mm-hmm. Did you feel anything different? Did you feel like the second you decided you were starting to notice certain women more or like you were, you were starting to be more cognizant or cause I, I don't I, know I, if I, I did notice that. Like, I don't think that I started, I mean, I mean, you know, you can't find something if you don't know what you're looking for. Right. right? So there's that aspect. Did, did I start seeing a bunch of women show up in my life that could have been a potential mate? No, that didn't really happen. Okay. And I want to make that distinction because I think that the concept of visualization has a lot of sort of, it's like a weird concept in general for people who don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so I want to make it tangible um, in a sense, because visualization isn't going to be something where you just write it on a piece of paper, you look at it every day, and then you're like, there it is. <laughs> it's coming. It, it, it's something that you, you have to take action. You, you have to you take, take action, action or, yeah. you, or you, you connect it emotionally, right? Sure. So when you connect with it and you believe it and you see it and then you take action for what you believe and see, it becomes a reality. Mm-hmm. Happiness, love, success, fulfillment. Mm-hmm. All of these fall from the same yeah, tree. That's that's totally true. And like, I think you know, the, there's a lot of um, a lot of the people who use the word manifesting. Sometimes, um, sometimes they they think that if they just you know visualize so hard that something's going to come true, it'll just happen. And I think that's only half of the story. Yeah. The other half is you have to take actions and open up open yourself up to the possibilities of the universe bringing something to you and, and capitalizing on opportunities and showing up and doing the work, you know, it's not all just visualization, visual visualization plus action is how you manifest things in your reality. Wonderful. So visualization is one part of your morning. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is something that you use to cultivate a sense of uh, happiness, know, happiness or appreciation mm. or, 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 I mean, let's actually, let's talk about appreciation. Sure. How does that play a role in all of this for you? I mean, my number one appreciation exercise is having a cup of Java Fresh coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this was not sponsored by me. <laughs> no, <I promise>. no, <laughs> no, no. But, um, yeah, I think appreciation is really important too. Like, I think, I think that. Appreciation is just so important. Appreciation is just so important to, to take a moment to recognize what is already so amazing and perfect in your life. Like, I feel like entrepreneurs and people who are doing big things in the world, they're so focused. And this is myself included, right? Like, I still am guilty of this. Is like so focused on the 1% of things that aren't perfect I'm and sorry. the 1% of things that aren't done yet without taking a moment to recognize, wow, like, look how far you've come. Look how much change you have made in the world and in your life and in the lives of others and in the lives of those around you by the things that you've done, right? And by the person that you've chosen to become and by doing the work, right? That's the 99% of things that are working and that are beautiful, right? Let's spend, let's spend some time every morning looking at those things and, and just being in sheer awe of that as part of the morning practice so that that 1% is not some insurmountable obstacle, but instead a small stepping stone on the path to greatness and happiness. And I want to add to that, you know, it doesn't have to be, even if you're not an entrepreneur, 
and you're just a regular person, everyone has something to appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be something related to what you've accomplished. It also it doesn't be, have to be something grandiose. No, not at all. Actually, that's, that's, I was just about to get there. I mean, everything from the little things in your life, the fact that you're alive, the fact that you have arms, like the more you can start to pull in and find things to be grateful and appreciative of, the more it reciprocates. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a huge believer in the fact that gratitude and appreciation reciprocates. The more you are grateful and the more you appreciate, the more you allow for gratitude and things that are worth appreciating to come in your life. And so this entire process, and I love that you talk about appreciation with such a, almost like a, man, this, a reverence. Is, this yeah. is amazing. Like, I, and I'm, and I, I, it feels so good. Um, to even just talk about this concept. And so, yeah, go you, dude. Go you. (laughs) (laughs) No, dude, go you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think in summation of a lot of the stuff that we just talked about, you know, happiness doesn't exist outside of you. It's not something, it's not this place elsewhere or in the future, you know? And in fact, if you aren't present and if you aren't content in the moment, you will always be chasing the dragon. You will always be on a treadmill with a carrot in front of you that you'll never reach. You know what I mean? It's like it's like one of the prerequisites to happiness is being content in the moment. Let me ask you this. How do you know if you're on the hamster wheel or not? I mean, I think, I don't know. It's like checking in with yourself. Do you, do you think you're happy? Well, I mean, I, and I say that because, I mean, I've met a lot of people who mm-hmm. are, you know, they're not in the healthiest shape, mm-hmm. right? They don't feel good about their lives, but they're doing it anyways, mm-hmm. and they continue on with it. So I want to, do you have any cues or any things that, or like any, and that goes to anything in their lives, whether it be money or a job or a relationship or really- You're saying like, what are the indicators that you're not present? Is that how, what you're asking? Yeah. So like, how can you, how can you kind of reframe, because- Everybody I've talked to who is who has made something different for themselves or changed a crappy circumstance or mm-hmm. moved from it mm-hmm. had some sort of aha moment mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. were just like, you know what, I need to change. Yeah. And then they change. So how do you where does that aha moment come from? And how do you cultivate it? How do you is there a way to bring that into your life to where when you want to make change, you can just snap your fingers and make it happen? Totally, totally. I think that 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 inkling of recognizing that there's a change to be had comes from your higher self, comes from your true self, you know? What does that mean? And I'll get there. Um, there, there are ways to, to tap more into uh, your higher self and your true self and who you really are. Like that's the part of you that is unencumbered by your learned conditioning and experiences. And um, to illustrate this, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story. Uh, actually, before I go on the story, I want to say that one way you can figure out if you are not being present is how often do you crave a state change? How often are you distracting yourself from feeling and how often are you distracting yourself from the moment? Like, do you go out on Friday night every single Friday and go drink, right? Do you drink too much? Do you drink yourself into oblivion? Do you drink often? Do you smoke cigarettes? Do you, um, you know, do you, uh, do you, do you self-destruct in certain ways? Do you do things that are detrimental to your own well-being in exchange for short-term gain? These are all indicators of 
These are all indicators of not being present. These are all indicators that you're trying to distract yourself from feeling. These are all indicators that you're trying to mask something in your life that you're not happy with and content with. And like, if there's one thing that I could, you know, that I want for you and that I wish for you is that if you're experiencing that, that you face that difficult thing and that challenge and just go into it and feel all your feelings. Like all of 2017, I didn't drink at all because it was, I knew it was going to be one of the most challenging years in life and business for me. And so I wanted to be fully present for it and I wanted to not distract myself and there were so many gifts and so much mm. wisdom from showing up fully in challenge and in difficulty and learning from those things. That takes an extraordinary amount of courage to bravery, look sure. and bravery to look at life through that lens. How do you, and I'm I, sorry for using the word cultivate like 80 million times. <laughs> like, you know, how do you cultivate that? Because, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that the biggest problem that I think people see is that change is impossible for themselves. Mm -hmm. It's this dialogue that they tell themselves. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is one moment, one spark, one person to say one thing in a certain mm -hmm. way that allows them to snap out of it and say, you know what? I'm going to fucking do this. Yeah. And so, like, how do you cultivate that? Like, like how do you – where did you? Where did that courage come from for you? Sure, sure. Well, that's where the story comes in that I want to tell so you. So, please. Okay. Continue. Okay. So when I was, I think I've, I probably already told this story on this podcast before, and it's probably going to come up a lot because this is a pivotal moment for me in my, in my life, in my early, early development as a human. Um, I was 14 years old, and I was morbidly obese. I weighed 260 pounds. Holy crap, at 14? At 14. Wow. And I was about 5'3". I don't even think I've told you this story before, no, have I? No, I don't think oh, I've heard man. this. Oh, this is a good one. Um, yeah, and so I was morbidly obese, and... Every single day in middle school, I was just berated and made to feel ugly and worthless and stupid and just so, I felt like so much of an outcast, you know? I was so judged by my appearance that nobody wanted to be my friend. Nobody wanted to be associated with me, you know? And that was a really terrible experience. And there were some hidden gifts in that, right? Like, I was a very precocious child, and I always, like, most kids would be outside playing sports. Well, I was inside reading books and watching open-heart surgery on TLC and watching the Discovery Channel and Animal Planet and, like... God, you must have been a joy to be around. <laughs> um, no, but it's like I learned so much in that time in my life, but it was really terrible. Like, I was an introvert out of necessity, but I'm like such a natural extrovert. I mean, well, I'm like maybe 60, 40 or 70, 30, but like it was, it was a challenge for me to just be such an outcast and to be so like pushed into a corner and feel so berated all the time. And after one day of particularly rough, like people just making fun of me and making me feel like shit, I, I went home and I looked at myself in the mirror and I was just like, I was crying, I broke down crying, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't, I can no longer be this way. And, you know, I I knew, I had enough wherewithal to know, like, that I needed to do this for myself, you know, not for anyone else. Like, that was a really important part of this experience. It was like, I have to change something fundamentally about who I am, but I need to do it so I feel good, you know, mm, so that I feel good yeah. about myself. And so I, um, 
I, something just, I, I was crying and I just, I had something switched in my mind. Just like so, something flipped and it was just different after that moment. I, I made a decision. I drew a line in the sand. I, I gave myself an ultimatum that I'm either going to do this or I'm going to die. Like there's nothing else. There's only this, you know? And it was that willpower that seemingly came out of nowhere, but I think truly exists in the hearts and minds of every person. Yep. You know, uh, I found it and I, and I, I reached into the depths of my being and who I was and pulled that to the surface and made it happen. And so I, we had some family friends who lived across the street from us who, uh, they were in their like late thirties or early forties and it was a husband and wife couple. And the wife would go running every morning at like five o'clock in the morning every day. And so I called her that night and I said, I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming in the morning. I'm going to see you there. She's like, okay, you need to be at my house at 4.30. I was like, okay, I'll be there. And I set my alarm. I got ready. And I put my, strapped on my shoes. Little fat, round Austin. <laughs> went out. <laughs> went out. And um, I ran a mile with her. And it was terrible, man. I wanted yeah. to puke. It was horrible. Right? I was huffing and puffing. I almost, like, it was just bad. It was bad. And, but after I finished that mile, I was like, wow, like I did it, you know, I did it. And then the next morning I got up and I did it again. And the next morning I got up and did it again. Then I did it again and again and again and again and again until three months later, I was 50 pounds lighter. Dude, good for you. Yeah. Good for you, man. That's, that's, that's all I, that hearing stuff like that just pumps me up. And I then after three months I plateaued. And so that I didn't change my diet at all that for 50 pounds. I was just just pure force of will exercising every single day. And then I 3 months in I cut out fried food, dessert, and soda and lost the other 50 pounds in the next 3 months. So over 6 months I lost 100 pounds and when I came back to school the next year people double take. They were like, "I'd lost 100 pounds, right?" And and they didn't recognize me like, "Who is that?" They're like, oh my God, it's Austin. So funny how like so many people became my friend after I lost a bunch of weight. Um, Actually. <laughs> it's, it's a little fucked up, but you know how kids are. They're pretty terrible yeah. um, to each other in, in that in that age range. But um, yeah, so, so what I take from that is that, you know, we all have this, this innate willpower as humans to just choose to do something without a shadow of a doubt, right? With sheer force of will, just embodying the power that we have as individuals, as humans, to take ownership of our lives, to take full responsibility for everything that happens to us, right? You can't control things that happen to you, but what you can control is how you respond to them. Yep. And it's that key thing that differentiates the people who go through their lives with a victim mentality, wandering and wondering and never settling on anything mm. impactful yeah. and game-changing yep. and, and revolutionary. And those that do say yes to that and those that do take full responsibility for their lives and how they respond to their environment, that is one of the key mindset shifts to make in order to change your life in such a way that you go on this journey of creating impact for others. And 
just to add to that, first of man, you pumped me up. Like I said, I started <laughs> doing some push-ups or something. Um, I think that this concept, and, and most people fall into this trap of they do it once, and then it's like, well, I don't see any results. They do it twice, I don't see results. The concept and the idea is the more you do something, the more you start to visualize, the more you start adding all of these pieces that we just talked about on on this podcast – the more you put them together into a puzzle and the more you start to feed it. The first step was you getting out there and losing your weight. The second step was you getting in there and taking out the diet. The third step was you fixing your mindset. Everything adds up and it compounds. So if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't started yet, please don't feel intimidated or don't feel like it's too far ahead or you're you you know, Austin was 240, you're, you're 340. Like, don't feel like you can't make a positive change in your life. Every step you take is in the right direction. And every right. step you take is you evolving into this higher self. And on the other side of pain is purpose. And when you find your purpose, you start to find happiness easier. Mm-hmm. And happiness just starts flowing in life when you're living in impact, like Austin, you said, or mm-hmm. or, or purpose. And... I think that that's the ultimate. Now, if you ask me, what does happiness mean to me? Mm-hmm. We started off this conversation by me describing what happiness meant to me mm-hmm. two years ago when I started my business. Now, if you ask me what the real definition of happiness in my life is living a life of full service to the people I love, with the people I love, and giving myself the love I need so that I can become the highest level of love and share my gifts with as many people as I can. And that that is beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. That is utterly amazing. And Raj, I think you embody that joy and that happiness with just your presence, man. Like you you bring that to every encounter that I've ever had with you in such a powerful way. And that's a it's a beautiful thing to behold. And I'm so so honored and glad that we're friends. And yeah. it's just, it's amazing. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's a, that's a really beautiful definition of happiness and beautiful, beautiful reframe. And, you know, I think that there's that, that happiness that you just described is it's a choice and it's mm-hmm. available to every single person on the face of the earth, regardless of the insurmountable obstacles that you're seemingly facing, it's available to you. You just have to choose it. You just have to go all in. Mm. Go all in. You know, if you if you're in a situation in your life right now where you have a big cho- a big decision to make about whether you're going to go one way or the other, whether you're going to take the road less traveled or not, do the thing that is going to yield the greatest degree of freedom and purpose and do the, do the thing you're scared of. Like do the thing that you are really scared of. When I lost all that weight, I was so afraid of what other people might think about me. And I was just afraid in general. I was so afraid. And I'm just, I'm so glad that I didn't say yes to the fear and that instead I let the fear be a message to me about mm. what I was supposed to do, mm. you know, 
Cause like, it's like we, when we feel resistance in our lives, it's usually one of two things. You're like, that's exactly what you should be doing and you should go all for it. Or it's exactly the opposite of what you're doing and you should stop dead in your tracks. Right. Yeah. And it's so hard to have the discernment to delineate between those two things and, yeah. and make that choice. But you know, you just know, right. When you, when you sit down in, in silence and stillness, you just know which, which is the right path and which is the right choice for you, you know? You know, there's a really good book um, on just that concept called The War of Art. Um, And The War of Art is a book uh, written by, I forgot, uh, Stephen Pressfield. War Mm -hmm. of Art by Stephen Stephen Pressfield. If you haven't read it, highly recommend it. Um, It's a book that describes what what you just called fear as resistance. And in the book, he actually goes to dedicate an entire chapter to every different excuse you could possibly give yourself on why you aren't doing something, whether it be procrastination or eating a really big meal before you have to go do work or like, or, uh, you know, get drinking a lot or any, I mean, there's so many, uh, that he needs to dedicate an entire chapter to this. And, Fear is a really interesting concept for me because it comes up in so many different ways. Um, And a lot of times you don't really recognize that it's fear. Like sometimes uh, fear comes disguised as practicality where you're like, oh, I don't need to be doing this because of this, 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 and this. Um, Sometimes fear shows up as, you know, procrastination. We'll do it later. Or, you know, like you look at your to-do list, if there's something that you were supposed to do on Monday, but it's Friday and it's not done yet, likely there's some fear there, but you've disguised and told yourself that it's something else. Um, So in my mind, I think fear is a great guide um, because on the other side of fear is bliss, like incredible bliss. Mm -hmm. Um, When you do the things that you keep telling yourself you're not supposed to do, Mm -hmm. like let's say it's going and talking to a girl. A beautiful girl, right? I mean, like, if you keep talking yourself out of it, but the second you go talk to her, she's actually really nice to you. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you have her number and you're going on dates. That life is amazing. Well, and- I heard you say last night, fuck fear, right? <laughs> and uh, you said that, okay? <laughs> and I want to just take a second to, to unpack that, okay? Because that is not what you said last night. <laughs> well, but I think it was just, this is a perfect time to open up this conversation around well, fear. Let me ask you this. So when I say, when I, when I used that language to describe fear, mm-hmm. right? I'm looking at fear as somebody who's sitting across the table from me, mm-hmm. Okay. Now, he might have a lot of different names, right? So if I need to go talk, if, if, I, if I'm talking to, you know, if there's a girl there or any opportunity, mm-hmm. if there's a deal I want to go have, but I'm too scared to go talk to that person, introduce myself, right? Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, I'm going to look at it and say, fuck you, fear, I'm going in. Right, right. Okay, I get what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? I totally get so, what you're saying. It's so, like it's like you feel the fear and the the... You feel the fear, but you just do it anyway. Yes. And it's like a warrior going to war. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're scared shitless, but you don't let that affect you in terms of you, you know, saving the people you love. There's a really amazing, um, 
think this is a Will Smith quote. Never thought I'd be quoting Will Smith. <laughs> um, but here's a Will Smith uh, definition of fear. Fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. So when you're in a moment and you feel some sort of tension or some sort of fear that you're playing in your mind about why this is going to be the worst thing you could ever do, it's a perception because on the other side of fear is purpose, is bliss, is this euphoric state where you really don't think you can go wrong. It's courage, right? So when you embrace courage and you go forward with it, you start to naturally begin to experience higher frequencies of life. And when I say higher frequencies, I mean just a more ecstatic state. There's more energy, like there's more excitement, mm-hmm. like, and all those things lead to uh, memories that are etched in your head. Like, oh, I remember when that happened. And it's something that you right. look back on, which then brings you happiness. Like, I think that fear is actually a gateway to happiness. I, I agree with you. And it's a, it's a subtle thing that I want to dive into a little bit deeper because, you know, I don't think that the narrative of conquering fear is necessarily a really, uh, uh, it's not the complete picture, right? Mm. I think it's conquering your reaction to fear is really important, right? Like if you feel it, you still take action anyway, even though you might be afraid of being judged or afraid of what the potential negative outcome could be, right? That's conquering the reaction to fear. Fear itself, I don't think is something to be conquered, which is like not a very popular belief. And here's why, because I think that emotions are an evolutionary adaptation, right? We've had three major evolutions of the human mind, the lizard brain, which is the fight or flight response, mm-hmm. which I've talked about in other um, other podcasts that I've done. And the second layer of evolution is the mammalian brain, right? We literally evolved the mammalian brain, the prefrontal cortex, as, uh, as a way to connect deeply with others of our kind so that we could create relationships so that we could survive, mm. right? So that's where emotions come from. And the thing about negative emotions is that negative emotions are a gift, right? Wow. Okay. Negative like emotions are a gift. And I'll tell you why, because in n- negative emotions are your body and mind's way and your spirit's way of telling you, of trying to send you a message, right? There is this nugget of wisdom and this beautiful gift wrapped in a really ugly package. And that's what negative emotions are, you know? And if you just sit in a little bit of inquiry with yourself in, in, and some introspection with yourself about those feelings, about that negativity or that negative emotion and unpack it a little bit and just feel it, right? Like we're, the cultural narrative in, in Western society about what it means to be a man, especially, and, and for women too, to, to a huge degree, is like, don't, don't show your emotions. Don't express yourself. You just shove those down and press them down and, right. and subvert them and um, compartmentalize them as best you can. That, it, that way of being isn't working anymore. It's outdated and it's, it's, it's the detriment of society. Is that way of thinking. Have you ever felt that, you know, whenever, you know, I always always believe that sunshine follows heavy rain. So like, you know, have you ever felt that whenever you are actually really sad or when you cry or when you're going through something bad and you just let it out mm-hmm. and you cry and you're just like, really like, God, this sucks. Mm-hmm. But you're like crying about it. And then after you're done crying, you, feel you always better. feel better. 
Yeah. And, well, and, 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 and I actually, what made me aware of that, I was watching a Disney movie the other day with my girlfriend. It was um, Inside Out. It's yeah. This movie of like how this little, like this, this girl who's like growing up and like she's got a bunch of emotions inside of her. And in the beginning of the movie, all of the, the emotions are characters. So there's happy, there's angry, there's sad, uh, jealous, like, like, you know, everybody hates sad. Like they're all just making fun of sad, putting sad away in the corner. But towards the end of the movie, what I thought was beautiful was that although all the other emotions were pushing away sad, what they realized was that every single memory, happy memory that they had, the event that was right before it was sad. Whether it be like, you know, something shitty happening in your life Mm -hmm. or, or something awful happening in your day. And then you express it, you let it out, it comes out. And then all of a sudden you allow your significant other to, to be there for you or your kids come in and start playing with you. Different joy follows pain and sadness. Sure. And sure. Well, I think the, these emotions that we're all feeling as humans is part of the human experience and they're, they're just an experience, yeah. right? So many people, myself included, still to some degree, like I, we identify with our emotions, right? And, and we get so wrapped up in them. And then we, that's how, that's how obsessive thought loops happen. And that's how, you know, and then you, and then you start judging yourself for feeling a certain way. And then it's like, it starts this negative self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. And then you get stuck in a deep, dark hole, right? Mm. Well, let's, you know, you, you don't have to be that way. You can unwind it and recognize that emotions come and go. And if you just feel them, instead of distracting yourself from them, trying to, to put them in a corner or to try and you know, distract yourself with a substance or with a person or with a thought. Just just be with yourself for a second. Like, just take a second to be with yourself and feel that emotion fully. Like, if you look at a child, you know, who doesn't have this whole cultural indoctrination thing that's happened to them, and you watch them, and they they get hurt or, or somebody's mean to them or whatever, it's like you see it all well up inside of them, and they cry, and then they, like, it just builds up, and, and then they feel it, and then it comes out, and then they're done. And then they're happy again, back to normal or whatever, right? That's how we're meant to be, is to allow emotions to move through us like a wave, and then the wave is gone. And then, you know, and then and that experience, we can drive meaning from it if we like. But it's it's it, it, it has the potential to be a trap because a lot of the times, considering that the mind is a bullshit generating machine, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's the potential that we can derive false meaning, like you said, the acronym for fear. Like we can we can accidentally derive false meaning from our emotions. So I think the lesson here is take some time to just feel your emotions and just be with them and not judge yourself for feeling a certain way. Mm. And like Yeah. Yeah. And like crying is so healthy and so good for you. You know? You know I think uh I don't know who I was talking to about this, but I was at a conversation the other day about I think men in particular have a harder time with this. Mm-hmm. Um, just like we feel like we have to be a certain way, whether it be we think we have to in, be a certain in, way, whether it be especially. I mean, in 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 dating, in business, uh, in in relationships, like growing up, like we we put on a badge of honor. Um, and I actually am a fan of the badge. I I I don't I'm not I don't hate the badge. Mm-hmm. I think the badge has its purpose. I think when we try to be strong, we're, we work hard, mm-hmm. we, we take responsibility, 
we're there for people and friends that need us to be. Um, but on that same front, if you don't take time for yourself, and this can mean, this can mean in a way taking time to feel your emotions, taking time to sit with yourself, taking time to not judge yourself. I love that word, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful way to look at it. When you just take time to sit there with yourself and let yourself be in any state you want to be. And whatever way you want to express that, express it. If, if I'm a huge journaler. Mm-hmm. I love journaling. And it's pretty hard for me to get into a really emotional state. Um, but when I journal, I try and journal on a topic. Like if I, if, my, if I was talking to my 100-year-old self, what would they tell me to feel right now? Like, and like, I, I'll, I'll journal on all these different topics that challenge my definition and go deeper inside myself because that's a way of releasing emotion for me. So whatever you're feeling, I, I, I don't think that necessarily wanting to be strong is a bad thing. No, not at um, all. And, and, and I don't think that. And, but, and, but, but, be, but as a man showing strength doesn't mean not crying when you're feeling your emotions. Right. It depends. Well, look at this way. Look at it this it's way. It's situational for sure. I think so. Right. I mean, like if you've got your family around you and a loved one just passed away. Mm-hmm. Yes. You sure as hell want to be that person. I know as a, if when I become a father, I'm going to want to be that person. Right. Right. I'm like obviously, obviously crying in a business meeting is probably not a healthy way to be or right. not, not good for and your business relationship. I, I get that. But I'm what I'm saying is that regardless, make time to feel I think your we're feelings. Both saying very similar things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 100%. And and let's talk about this a little bit because I think that men especially in the western society try to they see everything as an obstacle to to be obliterated or overcome. Right? And there's a time and a place for that and I think that that's great, but it's not the only way to be and all humans have a very positively duplistic way of being. We're both, we both have masculine and feminine qualities. You know, we're each and every one of us, regardless of our, you know, physical gender, we have masculine and feminine qualities. Like that's what, that's part of what it means to be human. I think part of being a conscious evolved man means recognizing that you have a feminine side and nurturing that part of yourself and allowing it to be part of who you are instead of suppressing and subverting that aspect of yourself. That's a different conversation. And I completely agree. Yeah. I think, I think, I think, but, and, and, but I think in simple, cause it's hard to, I love looking at these problems from a, or not even problems. They're not problems. They're realities. I love looking at these realities from a scale of like, not just somebody who is, felt it before, but from the grand universe, like everybody on the planet, right? And when you think of it from that way, it is hard for somebody to tap into something just like that. Mm-hmm. It's hard to. It's totally. hard to it's it's hard to be okay with having feminine energy or fem or or even admitting that you cry or you get sad or you're embarrassed or you're scared. I mean these are these are feelings that are hard. Mm-hmm. Um so what would you suggest somebody who either doesn't have an outlet for these, mm-hmm. a, a, a healthy outlet to like, for example, journaling is an out for starters, journaling is an outlet that anybody can use. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a healthy outlet, this is one, but in your mind, what are some healthy outlets that people can use to really bring themselves in touch with 
their emotions better so that they can experience happiness at a greater level? Mm, that's a great question. I think, um, I mean, these, a lot of the, a lot, my answer to a lot of those things would be like daily practices, you know, mm-hmm. spending time meditating, spending time uh, just in silence and self-inquiry, journaling, things like that. But also like conversations you have with friends are so important too, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit more extroverted on the scale. So I process a lot of what I'm thinking by talking to other people. Um, and I also have a rich inner world. So like I, I do do a lot of like stuff on my own and by myself, but having friends that you can trust to express yourself fully and don't judge you for who you are, but instead love you for who you are and can create space for you to express your emotions. I think that's step one, right? When there, if there are people in your life that cut you down and pull you down, like there, there's a, uh, there is a, um, a whole syndrome in Commonwealth uh, societies like, you know, in the UK and in Australia Mm -hmm. and and so on and so on. It's called tall poppy syndrome. And that is where your friends and family and people around you pull you down and cut you down when it's also called crabs in a bucket, right? (laughs) When you, uh, when you try to do something new or different or uh, novel, you know, and yeah, guess what? Feeling your emotions fully in today's society, that's new and different and novel, right? And it's difficult and it's hard to do. So I think it's so important to surround yourself with amazing people who can be there for you, you know? And don't, don't share your emotions deeply with somebody who's not going to give them the reverence and the respect that they deserve because that's setting yourself up to, for failure, right? Where do you find these people? I mean, there's so many good communities online. There's so many, um, I mean, there, there's, they're everywhere. Just, just look around for people who are having conversations like these and, you know, connect with them and reach out to them. You know, they're, they're not. Bottom line, uh, I guess you're, what you're saying is that you don't have to suppress these emotions. Right. And, and this is so fundamental to happiness. It is. I, I could not agree more with that. Um, I think that happiness is a choice. You mentioned that earlier. I think it's a choice to feel. I think it's a choice to live. I think it's a choice to... I think I think everything is a choice. I think the way you talk to yourself is a choice. I think the way you talk to the people you love is a choice. I think who you choose to be around is a choice. I think ultimately everything comes from our choices. And as long as you're making time to cultivate daily choices whether it be over a cup of coffee, taking the time to meditate, journal, exercise, whatever these healthy habits are that can allow you to process and believe these emotions that you're feeling, um, you're going to be light years ahead of people Mm -hmm. on this path to happiness because it's going to be something that comes to you naturally on on a daily basis. Yeah. And and it's a process. And, you know, I think Raj probably agrees with me here, like, you know, just take the first step and, you know, you'll keep walking on the path and, um, you'll find, you'll find that happiness. Cause it's, it's just around the corner. Um, if you don't already have that. And I think that, you know, once you're present to happiness, it's not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really something that goes away. You know, your, your, your state and your emotions definitely 
change and they they um, they go up and they go down. But you know, once you recognize what happiness truly is, it's uh, and and you discover it. It's not. I don't think it's something that ever leaves. Austin, I do have a question that I love to ask all of our uh, guests. Um, on a daily basis, as you're going through life and dancing and playing and working towards your dreams, <laughs> how do you stay grounded? Mm. That is a good question. Uh, somebody told me once that if you had the option of meditating for 20 minutes every day, in one lump sum or meditating 20 times a day for one minute, that the latter would always be uh, a better mm. idea. Um, just because we, we don't take the time and I still, I'm still guilty of this like all the time. We don't take the time to check in with ourselves, you know, quick, quick little moment of silence and self inquiry. If you do that, on a regular basis, instead of constantly filling the spaces with noise and with stuff, you would be so surprised at what is waiting in the silence. Your, your true self is just sitting there sending you whispers and sending you love and sending you wisdom. And if you just sit there and listen, you'd be so surprised at what you find. I love that. And I think that's a good way to continue the conversation and uh man this has been such a refreshing conversation on so many levels i love you man <laughs> i love um, you too like, uh you know we i usually don't do in-person podcasts um but uh this one was great i might have to make this the norm <laughs> yeah <laughs> man forward. Um, this is this has been utterly amazing austin if uh if anybody from my community would love to get in touch with you reach out how, how would they do so well, they can check me out at entrecloud.com, E-N-T-R-E-C-L-O-U-D.com, or you can look me up on Facebook, Austin Felton, F-E-L-T-O-N. What about you, Raj? If people want to learn more about you, what you're up to and connect with you, where would they go? Uh, the best place to go is uh, www.javapress.com. In fact, I'd love to give... Uh, all of your listeners, a uh, 15% off coupon if they choose to purchase anything on our site. Uh, we sell some pretty damn good coffee. And if you want to uh, go for it, it's EntreCloud15. Um, but uh, beyond that, just Raj at javapress.com or Chief Brewer at javapress.com. I check both of those every day. Awesome, man. And uh, I really do love your coffee. It's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah, so uh, I'm really, really blessed and honored to have you on this podcast today, man. And I'm excited to have another conversation in the future. And uh, listeners out there, tune in for the next one real soon. Thank you. Absolutely. And uh, until next time, stay grounded. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Stay Grounded podcast brought to you by Java Press Coffee Company. My name is Raj. And I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to make daily happiness a priority. If you're interested in learning more about how your morning coffee can turn into a consistent source of joy in your life, visit www.javapress.com to learn how our products can help you do that and use the coupon code podcast for 10% off your purchase. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.